from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Work and Life on Business Radio. Welcome to Work and Life. So glad you're here. Listening in on our conversation in which we explore all those things related to work and the rest of your life, your family, your community, our society, and your private self, your mind, body, spirit. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. I'm founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and the Wharton Leadership Program. I now run a management consulting and training company. It's called Total Leadership, and you can visit totalleadership.org for information on what we offer, including an audio course based on Total Leadership. It's called Four-Way Wins on Himalaya.com. And there are also courses on LinkedIn and Coursera. The website, totalleadership.org, has uh, all kinds of free resources, videos, book chapters, and the like. New episodes of this show premiere Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM channel 132. You can follow us on Twitter at SXM Business. I am at Stu Friedman. My guest today is an old friend who lost his son in a tragic accident last year. We're going to talk about how he has dealt with his grief and how he's learned to keep living and working while honoring his son's memory. Larry Hershorn is a principal and one of the founders of the Center for Applied Research, also known as CFAR, that's C-F-A-R, which had its origins at the Wharton School decades ago. And uh, we may get to that story today, not sure. Larry has just published a book called Grieving Aaron, Poems in Response to the Death of My Adult Son. Poems in Response to the Death of My Adult Son, which I've read and was much moved by Larry. Thank you for joining me today on Work and Life. Thank you, Stu. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, let me tell listeners just a bit more about you before we get into our conversation. CFAR, C-F-A-R, is a management consulting firm with offices in Philadelphia and Boston. Larry was a founder also of the International Society for the Psychoanalytic Study of Organizations, ISPSO, and the founder and director of Dynamics of Consulting which is a program for experienced coaches and consultants. He's published several books and many articles linking organizational functioning to psychodynamics, among them The Workplace Within and Reworking Authority, both of which I have read in my day, both published by MIT Press. Uh, Larry is an original thinker in the field of organization studies and a great practitioner in the the art and science of making organizations and the people in them more effective. Larry has a PhD in economics from MIT. Larry, we've we've known each other for for a long long time since the 80s. Many and, decades. Um, we've we've both been in the work of uh, consulting in in the business world using principles from psychology to help people navigate life at work and beyond. Let's start with where you are now, given the sudden unexpected tragic loss of your son and and how you've confronted and channeled your feelings in a new line of work for you. If I can call it that creative writing, both in this book of poetry, grieving Aaron, and also 
in the musical play that you've told me about, but which I know nothing about. It's called My Arc of Grief. You're you're someone who is deeply immersed in the um, the you know the study of an understanding of emotions and the various and intricate ways that we express our feelings, whether we're, we're even aware of how we're manifesting them or not. And so you. You're uniquely well-suited, I would say, to talk to our listeners, so many of whom have experienced profound and unexpected loss in these last few years due to COVID. So let's start, if we can, with your sharing whatever you're comfortable saying about how you lost Aaron and where you are now in that grieving process. Yes. So uh, Aaron was a beautiful man vibrant, an entrepreneur, uh, the father of three children, uh, lived in Miami Beach, and uh, was a physically very athletic and a big risk taker, loved the high of intense sports, and uh, had learned to ride a foil which is a, a sort of a, a, a little machine uh, that you sort of like a hoverboard with a propeller underneath the water that lifts the, the, the kind of platform above the water. So you're literally skimming along the top of it. It's a beautiful sight to behold. And he was uh, daring. He took the foil out on a busy day, Easter, Easter Sunday in Miami Bay, filled with boats, and uh, a boat ran into him and uh, killed him. Um, It was truly the sudden death. Um, uh, And the night before was, uh, for those of you who may know, was a Passover meal, Mm. a Jewish holiday of Passover. And We'd had a wonderful, despite COVID, a wonderful Passover meal with my other son and family, his children. And I left feeling blessed. I really did. My friends came over later and we sat out in the backyard, um, sang some songs, some holiday songs. And uh, I went to bed thinking, my God, uh, the Lord has blessed me. Hmm. And the next day, we got the news, and it was just uh, your world turns up upside down, and um, um, you're never the same again. Of course, of course. Um, what has the grieving been like? As you as you know, as you saw, and as you mentioned, I took to my greatest surprise. I felt impelled to write poems. Very soon after, I think I started in May, he died at the end of March. And uh, they were, um, it, it both gave me a way of, you might say, um, binding up the grief and giving it an expression. And also, I think it was a form of communicating to others. How do, how do, how do, you, how do you communicate your grief? Of course, people know you're sad and sorrowful and in moments of dis- face moments of despair, but that's not always uh, sustainable for people to entertain or encounter. And so, I think the poems for me. When you say it's not a, uh, sustainable, do you mean? Well, what do you mean by that? I mean, for others, I mean, can they be in your presence in your deepest moments of despair? 
your mm. closest, closest friends, your wife, of course, my wife can be. But I, I felt I wanted to have a, a, a way to communicate more widely to people what I was experiencing. So, Had you ever done creative writing prior to this? Never. Never, ever. That was the strangest turn somehow I found in myself. Uh, Did somebody suggest the idea of poetry to you? Were you reading poetry? Were you reading I, prayers? Or was, was there something, a song that sparked the idea yeah. of putting your words into poetic form or your I, I always, I was always the kind of person who wrote the poems for birthdays and holidays, the same oh. poems with the funny rhymes. <laughs> You know, every birth, child's birthday. And yes, birthday. yes. I did that. Was, does that. that. That was my role in life. Okay. So, so you I, had the gift of rhyme. I had a, I had a gift of rhyme and a, obviously some gift with words, but never have had written serious poetry. My brother is a physician and a poet, so I think I had a, oh. a model of, his, of him and his work um, in my mind. Hmm. And um, you know what? What the other factors in my mind were that drove me there? I can't say. It really is. I think like any creative act, somewhat stimulated by your unconscious. You know what is it that wells up inside you? Mm -hmm. For some people, it will be prayer. I think that's absolutely right. For some mm -hmm. people, it's acts of kindness to others. For some people, it's uh, seeking out um, you know other grievers. Mm -hmm. So there are many methods that people use to find consolation. Or food or alcohol or exercise or yeah, who knows yes. what. Yes, yes. Drug, food, drugs, and alcohol, right? <laughs> the, three, the three horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, but yes, so this was mine. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so, yeah. well, I'm yeah. sorry. You were, you were saying it was in part motivated by your wanting to communicate your grief with others beyond those who you perhaps felt the, the, the freedom to, to do that right. with people who would right. stay in that conversation right. Right. with you. Could you say more about that Can idea of communicating? Yeah. yeah. I think there's a two pronged thing to this. One is the, I'll get back to this. One is the communicating of the grief, but the other is the binding up of the grief how do you how do you metabolize it so it's not just a raw feeling and how do you give it some meaning through words i think that's a factor as well in what what mm -hmm. any creative process does it would be the same thing for someone who would be motivated to do a painting i think that would express some experience of the grief let, let me remind listeners this is work in life on Business Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 132, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, today, and my guest today is Larry Hirshhorn, who's a founder and principal of the Center for Applied Research. He's just written a book of poems. It's called Grieving Aaron, Poems in Response to the, to the Sudden Death of My Adult Son. So the, the binding up, you say, of the grief and, and giving it some kind of meaningful expression um, Let's talk about the the effect that this work had on on you and, and on yeah. your experience of grief. What? Yeah. How did it change things, if at all? I, I um. It's a good good question, Stu. I, I there were moments. 
I, I experienced a kind of despair that I think is unique to the loss, maybe, maybe the, the, the sudden death of someone who you love. Um, and why I say, why I use the word despair, it, it's something I never experienced before. It's that you really feel at that moment that life is not worth living. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's a it's a transient experience for me. I would I would be at that dark place, but but not for very long. You know, maybe fifteen minutes, where I really could I could wish, let me rid myself of this pain and be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe I, I can't say for sure. I think the writing helped me both face the despair, you know, because I had a way of metabolizing it. And by that, you mean somehow integrating it into your, yes, your, not, your, not, your not life, let, your mind, your body, your spirit, not, not letting it overwhelm me. Integration, I think is the right word, accepting it, accepting it, not being afraid of the despair. There it is in mm. your face, but also integrating it and understanding it's, part of the process of becoming sorrowful, um, not being afraid of it. I think that was important. And the mm. writing also made me not be afraid of what I was experiencing. Mm. The loss, the immense loss of it. I, every single poem is about that. You know? Yes. And uh, So the reviewing and reliving of the, that loss uh, – I imagine that that was accompanied by a kind of anguish every step of the way. And so, so that I can, I can see how trying to compose your, your ideas and feelings into poetic form would, would in some ways cause even greater pain. No, 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 no. The anguish is there. You don't have to, you don't have to add any more pain to what's there. The anguish is complete. Mm. Actually the writing mitigates it. I can't say wholly why, but there's something about um, the craft, the discipline, the attention, the other, the outward orientedness of it. You're not just in yourself. You need to communicate, which really does help contain the grief and give it, um, give it expression and not let it be overwhelming either to you or to others. So I know, I think it didn't, it didn't increase the anguish. It, you might say it uh, corralled the anguish, you know, it put it in a particular boundary or it bounded it in some way. Um, well, what has been the reaction to people from, from people uh, who've read these and talked to you about their experience of these poems? People have responded very, very well to them, uh, moved by them. I had people say, you know, uh, I expected to pick this up and, uh, you know, put it down, but I read through the whole book and I was crying throughout. Uh, mm. Several people really did say they were moved to tears with the book. It has a raw quality and it's very direct, um, but it also has some, uh, you know, there's some sweetness in it too. There's one poem about the, you know, called the pinata, which is really... Mm-hmm was really my evocation of the sweetest way to remember Aaron. Um, hmm. um, 
Well, certainly his uh, his physicality is is very much present in that particular piece. Yes, yes, but, exactly. But in a in a in a really joyful and, and yes. loving kind of way. Yes, yes, exactly right. Readers, yeah. you'll have to read the pinata unless. You know, I was thinking, Larry, if you if you'd be willing, there's a couple of pieces I'd I'd like you to read. Sure, sure, um, happy to. Now, so why don't we just go to the pinata? It's one of the longer ones. Yeah, um, page uh, thirty-nine. Would you, Would you read it for us? Yeah, sure. On the day of Henry's fifth birthday party, there were no traffic jams on Twenty Second Street. Children were chasing each other up and down Waverly Avenue. A radio on a windowsill was playing Louis Armstrong. Daniel grilled the hot dogs perfectly. Even the grown-ups swinging hard could not break open the piñata. I then saw you standing there, surrounded by all the people who ever loved you. Muscled, smiling, you cocked that plastic bag bat over your shoulder, straightened your arms, turned your wrists in slow motion, and hit the piñata gently until it burst open, spilling candies onto the garden stones, over the fence, onto the nearby sidewalks and streets, and into the treetops until Hershey kisses and Milky Ways covered the sky in your sweetness thank you yeah, yeah. in your sweetness uh you know, i i read it through in one sitting and was moved to tears on a number of moments throughout and you know the the overwhelming sense that i get is of uh an abiding love you know and that is something that uh I think is you know it's such an important message, an idea that we see in all the world's extant uh, religions, you know that the the idea is to embrace the the, the relationship, the, the the and to you know to affirm uh, the love that was there and will ever be, um, never goes away, right? And and, and that, the love is forever. The sorrow may be forever, but the love is forever. Yeah, and the sorrow is because of the love it's having been so love. profound, right. of course. Now, Daniel, who grilled the hot dogs perfectly, that's Aaron's younger brother. Right. Um, I wondered about how your relationship with Daniel has changed, um, you know, in in the wake of Aaron's death. Has it? No, I don't. I mean, he is my beloved treasured son what's changed for me is this is the uh, anxiety once you lose a, a first a child mm. you don't feel secure in the same way in the world mm. and i have the kind of anxieties i've never had before when daniel gets on a plane mm. uh, i don't say these things to him of course i don't want to burden him with my all right, let's hope he doesn't exactly. listen to this conversation. Yes, no, well, he, he, could, ha <laughs> he could handle it. I'm just kidding. He's a, he's a wonderful man. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it's true, there's a kind of change in one's point of view because um, we live a bit in a fool's world, don't we, Stu? All of us who, 
who uh, survive through the miracles of our life, right? We imagine that we deserved it and that we earned it and that um, we're entitled to it, right? Mm -hmm. That's the defense we have. And then uh, tragedy strikes, and this tragedy strikes millions of people every day. All the time. And we are, it's just, it's an upheaval. It's an upheaval in your worldview. And I don't think that that ever goes away. Uh, I don't know mm. how people manage long-term the underlying. Um, it's not so much, yeah, it's a bit that the world is not reliable. Mm. Um, well, you know, I suppose I, it never was, but this is a is a kind of you know poignant, sharp reminder that is you know that that idea of our essential you know insecurity in in the in the wake of all the all the things that can happen to humans in life uh, right. you know you, it, it it puts it into sharper focus those those fears. I, I think we defend against the fears. I mean, I think there is a there's a core denial. We well, have to, yeah, to yeah. get through the day. To get through the day, right? Exactly. And, exactly. And, and and but but it's it's harder when when a particularly you know tragic you know moment arrives in in the in your life. And you know, I, I wondered about. Um, I know that you are the son of. Uh, Jewish refugees who escaped the Nazis in World right. War II. Right. And, you know, uh, that kind of trauma it exists over time. It, yes. you know, it, it is transmitted uh, generation to generation. There's a lot discussed and written about that. Right. Um, I've experienced that personally in my own life, um, not quite as directly as you had. Uh, with your parents having um, escaped the Nazis in World War II, but my my mother's entire family um, did not, wow. uh, and that is to say, her her aunts and uncles and parents and cousins and grandparents <laughs> they they were all lost, and and that 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 experience of hers shaped my life. Um, in in many important ways, including and especially through her art, um, which was written in response to that trauma. Right. All this is to uh, ask you about um, this may or may not have been something you've ever thought about, but I wonder how the the trauma of your parents, um, you know, experience uh, in in escaping the horrors of the advance of the Nazis, how that in any way informs or affects how you experience the grief and the loss yeah, of your son. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, um, my, my, well, my father, whom I feel especially close to, he's not lo no longer alive. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk about his death in a moment. Um, he lost his father to, to, to tuberculosis when my father was 13 and his father was roughly 42. Okay. Actually, Aaron's age at death. Um, he lost a baby uh, to pneumonia when the baby was, I think, two years old. 
So he being your father or your my father, my father. So your your brother. I lost a sister before I was born. Right. He, my father, lost a a, a baby girl. Um, he lost his mother to the Nazis, um, and my mother's father and mother were also killed uh, by the Nazis. And they were in flight. They, you know, anyone who survived had all sorts of lucky breaks. Mm -hmm. They went to, uh, from Austria to Italy to England. I mean, each time, you know, one step ahead and uh, really, really just lucky breaks. Um, so, yes, the Holocaust has been a fundamental feature of my experience. And my mother, I think, never, never recovered from the, mm -hmm. tra the trauma. Not to add <laughs> sad details, but my father died in an accident oh. when, he, when he was 67, um, 10 days after he had attended my wedding to, to Marla, my wife. Wow. Um, and he never saw Aaron. Um, mm. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I, it's a... Um, it's grandiose to say I'm cursed as if there's a rhyme and reason for this. And I yeah. don't know if my, my coping with his death, which was terrible, has prepared me for this. I don't know. Mm. But it, you know, it's, it adds one more straight of sorrow to one's experience, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Larry, we're going to take a short break here. Yeah. Um, so let's do that. Uh, folks, don't go away. When we come back, I'm going to be continuing my conversation with Larry Hirshhorn, who has written a book of poems called Grieving Aaron. Poems in response to the sudden death of my adult son. I am Stu Friedman. This is Work and Life on Business Radio Sirius XM 132. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Work and Life on Business Radio. Welcome back to Work and Life. So glad you're here. I am your host, Stu Friedman. I'm the founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and also of our leadership program. And I am also the founder of Total Leadership, which is a management consulting and training company dedicated to helping individuals and organizations find ways of creating harmony among the different parts of life. My guest today is Larry Hirshhorn, principal and one of the founders of the Center for Applied Research. Today, we're focusing on something a lot more personal with Larry, the death of his adult son, Aaron, and how it's changed his life and perhaps his work. So that's, that's where I'd like to, to go now, Larry, the, to the question of how your experience of your son's death, writing poetry, which you'd never done before, even though your your brother had, and writing a play, also something you'd never done before. Um, you've changed. You've changed forever. How has your, you're just thinking about your own identity in in the world of work. How has that changed, would you say? Let me say just a bit about the uh, the play. Can we talk a little bit? Please, about that? yes. So, so, um, so uh, again, this was one of those things that arose out of without plan. 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I started composing songs. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I was always wired for melody. And when I was like a teenager, I would play, you know, by ear on the piano and play at parties. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, when I'm at that age where the Great American Songbook and uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein is sort of my model for songwriting. People, you're going to have to look up Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yeah, I'm, yeah, we're not right. going to go further on that. Yeah, well, good look songs. it up. <laughs> yeah, look it up. Yeah, ancient history. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, at some point I thought, this I could communicate my arc of grief and also express a kind of hope. If I, I put this together, poems, script, and uh, songs, <laughs> I just went for it. Um, and I'm producing it for family and friends, of course, just once. Um, but it really is a, a, a kind of a, it's a picture of grief that's both true and also hopeful. It's, not, it's, it's a perspective for me. Which is that you go through in, in the in the play, you go through the event itself, the sudden mm-hmm. sorrow of the announcement of Aaron's death, as it actually happens happened, and it moves through um, what happens between a couple who are grieving together and sometimes not. What are the strains? Um, between my wife and I, as we grieve differently and re- retreat from each other and then join each other. And I think that's a, I don't know if that's a fully explored dimension of grief, how couples do it together. Um, mm. and, and then it, exp- it evokes, uh, in the play, it takes me through encountering Aaron's wife, Karine. And then finally, um, a visit to my father's ghost and a visit to Aaron's grave. And it ends with a picture of reconciliation, which I think I'm coming toward, which is how to recover the memories and all their sweetness and have them be good enough for the life that I led with Aaron. And so that's a... I think in the play, I constructed a model of grief and grieving that was constructive. Um, And I think, I believe I'm on that path. But of course, one doesn't control these things. You know, it's really about the emotional unfolding of yourself. So, Wow. So there's so many things I want to pursue following that description of the 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 project of the, of the, the musical play. Um, let me start with, uh, well, just to underscore this, this note of, um, you know, uh, hope, which I kind of interpret as a reason to keep, you know, to keep going in, in the, in, in the face of despair. Right. Um, because that's, of course, you know, that's what's required of us. Yes. Um, uh, for all kinds of reasons, um, including and especially you've, you've got your five grandchildren and uh, Aaron's son, uh, sons and daughter, I think. And yeah, yes, two sons and a daughter. Right. And, and what that relationship is evolving into is, is something that I, I don't know if we'll have time to explore that. But, but this notion of um, how you uh, 
kind of reconstruct the your world and to find uh, a a path that is right. that is characterized by hope um the the, that, the last scene in the pl- in the musical yeah. is my wife and i cr- putting together a photo album of mm-hmm. aaron for mm-hmm. his children mm-hmm. and i think for me that's that's the core that's the metaphor and that's the good path that we remember him Mm-hmm. in his vitality and he has a continuing legacy for the next generation right and that's our moment of reconciliation you mean you mean you and marla yes my wife and i we do this together yes and we're do, we're we're going we're doing this too mm-hmm. and in the play we do this the characters marla and larry so when you say reconciliation like what are you referring to there Reconciliation to the death, to mm. the to to the tragedy, the, 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 the not not fighting it, not chronically reviewing it, not feeling guilty for the things we didn't do, mm. not not uh, berating ourselves for not for having not said to Aaron, Aaron, don't take these physical risks. Don't you realize you have three children? Oh wow! Marla has said that any number of times. Um, oh. um, but, but of course he was a grown man. He was going to do, and, so, and, and, and that was his drive. That was the part of his beauty. He was driven in that way. I could never, and taken that away from him. I watched oh. him kite surfing on Miami Bay. It was, it was amazing. But, but his mother must have felt some, anger towards him for persisting in these risky adventures. Yes. yes. And and to feel both anger and this profound sense of despair and loss together that I can't imagine uh, the pain of that. Yes. For her, which seems like more her than for you from your yes. perspective. Yes. I don't feel, I, I feel like I can accept and identify uh-huh. the way he expressed his vitality. Um, but you can't hold wow. on to the anger. You can't hold on to the anger. You know that. You know, well, that's, that's you like, can, but it's going to hurt you. Yeah, that's chronic. That's chronic grieving. You'll never reconcile. Mm. You're angry at yourself. You're angry at the person who died. Um, but you have to identify that, right? Yes, you can. It's, it's it's a natural process of grieving. It will be there, sure. And and every as we know, everybody's different. Uh, Marla hasn't had that despairing experience that I've had. I asked her about that. I said, wow. do you ever want to end your life like the way I want to at those moments? And she said, no. So, How do you figure? Yeah, I, don't, I, you know, I just think you know, we're constituted differently. And, mm-hmm. um, how we work out these feelings got to be different. Yeah. It, it, my own experience of losing loved ones, uh, you know, there is this sense, and I, I think this is kind of universal, the, the sense that, wow, now that I realize what I've lost, I I am going to be much more conscious of appreciating what I have while I'm still breathing yeah. and conscious. Um, so, and, and this you know, this is, this is an idea of, of, you know, the, the hope of, and joy of each moment of, of our precious lives. 
have have you experienced something like that? Well, and, very, and has the poetry and, and playwriting helped with that? It's very interesting. I think for me, here's the thing. I'm not going to write serious poetry ever again. <laughs> I've done that. I've done my work. Mm-hmm. I will never do. I know I'm not driven. I'm not the kind of person who has a poetic sense of the world. So the motivation, the drive, which was based on the sorrow and, and the tragedy, won't be there to animate whatever creative powers I had. So I'm comfortable with that. It's not like I've changed myself. And I think in general, for me, it's just, it is to return to my life. Mm -hmm. I don't see revolutions in my life. Mm -hmm. These two projects, the play and the musical are, they are really, uh, you might think of them as almost eruptions, you know, uh, into a life space, but they will be over. Mm -hmm. And I think the the path forward is to return to my life, to do the things I Mm -hmm. love, to be with my family, to to sort of take as much pleasure as I can from the grandchildren, um, to be as close as I can be to my wife and build, continue to build our intimacy together till we pass you know and those are the tasks i would have to do anyway whether aaron died or not so i I think there must be people who have different experiences where there's a kind of religious transformation or an idea that their identity in the world will now be different i have a hunch that's not the case for me Let me remind listeners, this is Work and Life on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. I'm speaking with Larry Hirshhorn, who is the principal at the Center for Applied Research and the author of Grieving Aaron, Poems in Response to the Sudden Death of My Adult Son, which I commend to all of you, especially if you have recently experienced the loss of a loved one in your life. Larry, let's talk about that. What your experience, uh, you know, you, you've been working for decades helping people and organizations live more fruitfully. I'll just summarize it thus: in the in the wake of all kinds of conflict, uh, and or you know, in the midst of all kinds of difficulty and irrational behavior, what have you gleaned so far from your experience in grieving that you think might be helpful to listeners? who have lost a loved one due to COVID, uh, which so many hundreds of thousands of us have, uh, or who have lost jobs or income or years of, of, of opportunity in school, or just to be close physically with other people. Um, this, you know, the heightened anxieties of our day because of all this loss uh, something that you've been thinking a lot about. Do you have words of advice that that you might give to people, whether they're employers or employees or just people in general, based on what you have learned? Learned from my experience with Aaron from Aaron's death. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, you know, giving advice, as you know, Stu, is so I know. hard. I know. So hard. I, I knew you would find yeah. some resistance in my yeah. question, but <laughs> but let me let me let me honor the Try. let me honor the question and do as best as I can with it. 
And it, it has to be referenced to my personal experience. It can't be abstract. Otherwise, it would be, mm-hmm. it'd be a bromide, right? And mm-hmm. we would be shaking our heads, but not really connecting personally mm-hmm. and emotionally. Um, so what can I say? I think, you know, I think uh, don't, don't run away from the despair. Um, let the despair talk to you and let it uh, bring you uh, the kind of cleansing cry that it can bring, which is a kind of, uh, I think the word weep is right. Weeping rather than crying, weeping is right. It's what is um, fully uh, integrates body and mind in that moment of uh, of um, loss. Uh, so, so one thing is don't run away from the despair. Of course, if you get stuck, if you're suicidal and you think that your life is worthless and that you've disappointed everybody, and that's a difference, then you ne- really do need psychological help and you should mm-hmm. be seeking out a counselor. But if you're intact in that way, don't run away from the despair. The other, the other issues are what, what perpetuates chronic grieving, right? Like mm. chronicity, meaning there isn't a passage through it. You haven't been able to find your particular journey through it. What is it, what is it that creates the, those obstacles? And it, I'm sure it has something to do with anger. Anger at yourself, anger at the lost person you've lost, Anger at God, if you believe in a God, uh, for having not protected you. Um, anger at people who you feel might have been responsible for the death, physicians, friends. You know. mm. uh, I think that must be one derailer and that perpetuates um, chronic grieving. Uh, the the the, the uh, lack of uh, acceptance and, and explicit recognition of the those feelings of, of rage is that what you mean? The chronic rage, but not working through the rage. What do you mean by that? I mean by that that in the end, um, being angry at people or the your loved one you, whom you lost or yourself is a way of keeping hold of that person as if he was still alive and you're shaking him. You're like, it, it would be as if I would take Aaron by the shoulders and I would say, Aaron, why did you go out into Miami Bay, you asshole? Why did you do it? So what am I doing at that moment? I'm, I'm keeping Aaron as if he were here, mm. as if he was still with me. That's the, that's the gain, the secondary gain of that, right? I've held on to him. I've held on to everything surrounding his death. I'm not taking that as the final answer, as if there could be another answer, which there isn't. And yet, Larry... The final poem in this remarkable collection from July 17 of last year is called One More Time. One Last Time. Well, I'm reading the title, Larry, and it says One More Time, but okay. 
All right, one last, one more time. Yes, I'm sorry, you're right. One more time. What am I saying? That's okay. <laughs> That's a great slip, uh, Stu. Yes. What's that one? We last? could spend the next hour on that. Yeah, but let's you. see if we can do it in in three minutes. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, so I, yes, I interrupted you're here. Absolute, to, you're absolutely right. You're, you're you're doing that very thing. It's it seems in your conversation yes. with yourself, with your God, with whomever it is you're talking. Can I have just one more time yes. as we play on the rubber raft that, at Bob's Lake? That last poem. You're shaking with rage there as well as weeping into the night, right? Totally. That last poem was really the, the yes, the resistance, the resistance to death, completely right. And, and when I wrote it, I felt it. Ah, and, and, you know, that last line, Aaron, 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 one more time. Yes, you're completely right, Stu. Well, all right. So so at that moment, back in July. Yeah. Um, you were still shaking with rage. Yes. Let me uh, say, I'm inferring yes. that. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 rage, yes, rage, and uh, yes, it is raging against the good night, isn't it? Yes, you're right. And 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 what you were just saying a half a year later is that to 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 stay in that you know in that frame of mind, let's call it, uh, is you know you you can't last. No, no. So. It's more than just the matter of the passage of time that has changed your perspective on this issue of the, you know, the the despair, the anger. Um, right. But but what else can you say about that that listeners yeah. might take? But let, but let me just add, just in my Please. defense, in my defense. <laughs> okay. The the there are the po- other poems are ex- are expressing different feeling so in the writing i was moving across a range of yes experience but there is something uh, uh, essential about ending the poem enraged i think that's completely correct and, and pleading as if as if i'm pleading with some 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 god or some bodies right. to give me that one more time yes yeah and, yeah. and my guess is that you'll always have that thought and that feeling and yet you were you were just saying as a way of you know trying to trying to articulate words of advice that i'm persisting in asking you for yes, yes for yes. Our, for our listeners sake that that to to maintain that stance is is uh is ultimately you know you can't do it it's unhealthy I, right you, right you, is it was i was i hearing that correctly yes 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 i think i think yes that's right um so what's changed over these six months? Uh, I think the work on the poems, the work on the musical, the work uh, with my wife, um, I working with a psychoanalyst. Um, all of these have been progressively therapeutic and helpful. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, um, I, you know, I had an insight the other day, Stu, about... Um, miracles can i talk about that in a minute well we we only have about a minute and a half so okay go ahead okay. if you can yes um you know the the, the song diana with the passover seder 
which says it's enough. It would have been enough. It would have been enough. And we have to understand that every step along our way, we were granted miracles. And I think the, the, the final understanding for me is, yes, each one of them would have been enough. And I think that's where I'm... I'm each coming. one of the, the, the miracles Aaron, of, of Aaron life. Birth, his Aaron, life. His life. Your relationship with him, his effect on the world. Yes. And every step, if he had died 20 years or earlier, it would have been enough. Yeah. Well, those are important words to consider and to to offer to, to listeners who might be grieving now. Um, you know, I've been asking all my guests recently a question as we wrap up here, Larry, that's perhaps unrelated. I think it is, but maybe you can draw a connection here. Uh, I see, you know, the profound effects of uh, human action on our natural environment to be, you know, a, a great challenge of our, of our lives, of our generation. I wonder if there's any connection between what you have done here um, with our need to act now to make our, our collective home more sustainable, more habitable for future generations as you think about uh, hope and the miracle of life. Any yeah. thoughts on that? I don't, I don't and nothing profound, Stu, except to say that, uh, uh, you know, nature is, um, is given to us in a miraculous way and it's beautiful. And um, yes, let's, let's, it's not just a question of economy and resources. As you say, it's a gift. And uh, let's think about it that way. Yeah, well, that's, that's what you were just saying about yeah. about life in general, and that death somehow is uh, is is the most powerful reminder of that, isn't it? Yeah, death does not subtract from the gift of life. It it perhaps just makes us more aware of it. Yeah, um, which you have uh, helped us to to know about in a, in a profoundly moving way, Larry. Thank you so much for. Uh, producing this work for talking with me about it today. Um, how can listeners learn more about what you're up to now? Well, I mean, the book is available on Amazon. So yes, anybody who's looking for words of consolation or expression, please, you know, access the book. It would be wonderful. It would give me the greatest pleasure if this could find its way into the hands of people who are grieving. So I would say, that's the best step they could take. Well, all right. Um, thank you, Larry. Thank you. Bye-bye. It, it's Grieving Aaron, Poems in Response to the Sudden Death of My Adult Son by Larry Hirshhorn. Thank you so much for joining us. And tune in next week, 5 p.m. Eastern. If you have a question about something you heard on the show, just write to me, friedman at wharton.upenn.edu, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Thanks, Patty Hall, for producing and uh that's it see you next time i'm Stu friedman you've been listening to work and life on business radio powered by the wharton school sirius xm 132 going home without my burden going home